0: All right, Lindsay, does it feel real yet? No. No. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. Good morning again. This morning we're going to be working our way through most of the 13th chapter of Matthew. But I want to do so with a background of questions for our lives. Why must we suffer? We're Christians, those of us who are Christians. Why must we continue to battle our sinful natures? Why must evil, godliness, godlessness, wickedness all around us continue to rage in this world? Why must we, the church, continue to infiltrate behind enemy lines in order to tear down intellectual and moral strongholds in our society? Why must we continue to battle the battle of worldviews? To battle for truth in our culture? The answer this morning is clear. Because the kingdom of God has come. And we who have come to the Lord Jesus It's because we have been transferred out of the kingdom of this world and into His reign over us savingly. And He's left us here in this present evil age that continues to go on as it has from the garden. We are not of this world even though we live in this world. Another big question. Why is it that the visible church, we're the visible church here, we're, we're, we're a local church, there's ten thousands upon ten thousands of local churches on earth. Why is it that the church visible will never be pure down here? So don't, don't seek it. Why is it that we will always have non-kingdom people within the church? Sometimes leading the church. Members of the church. Attenders of the church. The answer to those questions is the mystery of the kingdom of God. The mystery of secret which was hidden and is then revealed in the coming of Jesus. Particularly the way Jesus lays out this mystery of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 13. So this is week 27 in our series, God's Purpose in Redemptive History. So let's pray. Father, I beg for your help, not just with my words, not just with the reading of Jesus' words. With those, yes, but by the power of your kingdom, by the work of your Holy Spirit, that you cause all of us to have eyes to see it, to grasp it, Ears to hear what the Spirit says in the Scripture. Help me be faithful, unfolding the mysteries of your kingdom as you reveal them. To the glory of your name. Amen. Over the last two weeks, we have been in the coming of the kingdom of God with... Jesus' ministry and the question has been, is the kingdom of God a future reality that we are to be waiting and hoping for? Or is it a present reality to be experienced right now in our lives? And what we have seen is the answer is, it is partly to be experienced. Now, in our lives, it's really here and it is partly future and awaits. Many of its blessings are here now. Many of its blessings promised are not here now and not available now. Some of its power is available to do the work that God has ordained to happen through the invisible kingdom in people's lives now and there is a bunch of power of that kingdom that is not available. Now, some of the curse, some of the misery of this old age can be overcome to one extent or another in part Now, because of the presence of the kingdom. And much of that misery and effects of the fall and sin cannot be overcome. Now, Jesus came. And the decisive battle against sin and guilt and Satan and sickness and death was won by the king in his life, death, and resurrection. Just like in June of 1944, D-Day storming the beaches, France, Normandy, to get onto the continent. And once it succeeded, war was over. We knew the outcome. It was just now a matter of time. The difference here is instead of 10,000s of men storming the beach, only one man stormed the beach and won the victory. And now we're on the continent. And the kingdom is here. And that means for every one of us who have come to love Jesus, the battles have to be fought. Sin must be attacked. Satan must be resisted. Sickness must be prayed over. And death must be endured. Until the second coming. Until the consummation of the kingdom of God. That's what we've seen. And grasping that tension. Grasping that tension. Reality, here's my hope, that it gives you a biblical, a theological, and historical grid through which to understand your life. A grid to which to understand you are being affected positively by God the Holy Spirit. By the rule, the reign of God, because you are in an invisible spiritual kingdom and he's working in you and yet also at the same time you understand why therefore there is still sin and murder Satan sickness suffering death in this world and within the church So, I want you to first, before we go to Matthew 13, briefly flip over to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 17. And see if what I have not said is representing what Jesus is teaching. Matthew 17, verses 20 to 21, we read, Being asked by the Pharisees. Now notice the question they're going to ask. When? Okay, it's a time question. Again, when is this? When? They were asked, he was asked, when the kingdom of God would come? He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, see it? For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Or maybe something like, it's in your grasp right now if you want it. You can enter it now. And what Jesus is doing there is he's bringing a correction to the misunderstanding of the kingdom that it would come with such observable signs that it would be unmistakable by everybody in the world. I mean, it's, if there is an apocalyptic heaven coming down to earth, transforming everything, everyone will know it the good and the bad. And he's saying, that's mistaken. It's not happening that way. Not with observable signs like Rome being overthrown and Israel gaining its freedom and being vindicated. And the earthly kingdom being set up here right now. To that expectation, Jesus says, no. It's not coming in a way to be observed. like like, like that. There's a mystery, a secret, about the coming of the kingdom. It's here. It's in your midst. It's within your grasp. But it's here without those observable signs. It's here because I, Jesus, I am here, and I brought it and established it. He's saying, I am the arrival of the promised kingdom of God, even though I will not overthrow Rome, and I will not set up my earthly kingdom. Yet. So, that's what he does in chapter 17 of Luke. Just flip over, maybe a page, maybe two, to chapter 19. Because then Jesus has no problem teaching, Oh, kingdom's not here yet. As opposed to it's right in your midst. In Luke 19, starting with verse 12, Jesus tells them a parable to drive home the point that the kingdom of God is not now. It's future. Start with verse 11. As they heard these things, He proceeded to tell a parable. He's going to teach them. Give them a word picture. Why? Because he was near to Jerusalem. That's why. And because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. And he wants to correct their thinking. And so Jesus said, therefore, A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, and then left, returned back home. So Jesus is approaching Jerusalem, and he knows many of them and his disciples are thinking he's going to make a move on the power structure of the land of Israel. He's going to set up his earthly kingdom, isn't he? Son of David, take the throne. Destroy our enemies. But Jesus told the parable to make it clear that the kingdom of God is not coming that way. Not yet. That's still a long way off. L- like a nobleman, who went into a far-off country to receive for himself a kingdom. And then he returned. Jesus, he's saying about himself, I've come. I've come in the incarnation. He still has some work to do there in Jerusalem. And I'm going to go away. He was killed and He was raised from the dead and He taught for 40 days. in immortality, human immortality. And then came the day of His ascension. The nobleman returned. But that parable will go on. You'll see. And He will come back. He will come back and establish His kingdom in consummation and glory and power one day. Make no mistake about it. In that way, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is still future. So the kingdom of God, it is come, it is present, and the kingdom of God is still future. Future. And that's puzzling. That's baffling. It threw the Pharisees into confusion. It even stumped John the Baptist. Are you one or are you not? It caused one crowd to want to take him to the cliff and throw him off and kill him. And it caused another crowd to want to put a crown on his head and put a robe on him and say, Let's go, we'll follow you. It baffled Pilate in his trial. So, you are a king then? And it left his own apostles confused and hopeless on that Friday of his death until his Sunday resurrection. And behind all of that confusion was what the New Testament calls the mystery of the kingdom of God the the secret, that which was hidden until it was unveiled. Oh, that's how the kingdom came. Two comings. The first, to suffer die. And the second, one day in the future, to wrap it up in return. And so what I want us to do is to turn to Matthew chapter 13 and let Jesus teach us through word pictures called parables to try to unveil for us what the mystery of the kingdom of God is and how it should be understood. Because what is mysterious about the kingdom that no one expected was that it would come really powerfully, presently, and not physically, but spiritually, and have its spiritual effects. And then there would be a second coming. So first, notice verse 11. Jesus says to his disciples, Matthew 13, 11, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God mean the same thing. Just Matthew's way that he says it. He doesn't use the word God or theos. To you, my disciples, it has been given to know the, Greek word is mysteria, the mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom of God. But to them, on the outside, it has not been given to know. Just jump down to verse 16. He says to them, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it. And to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. I am the king standing before you. I'm the promised one. They died without seeing it. You're seeing it. You're seeing the fulfillment of the things they longed for. The kingdom has come. But there's a mystery. And the mystery is this: It's here, and not everybody on Earth is recognizing it. That's a mystery. Because that is not what any of the Jews expected. That was mysterious. It was hidden from them. It's here, but the way it's here is a mystery. And that's what these parables in Matthew 13 are meant to show and to unpack. A parable is a word picture. It's a story to drive home a teaching, to get the point across. And so he begins with the parable of, we call it the sower, or you may call it the parable of the four soils. And so he tells the parable, the farmer, he's got seed, and seed falls by hard-packed path. It's not going to go anywhere. Some falls on rocky ground. Some falls among the thorns. And then some falls on good soil. He says, I'm teaching you a mystery about the kingdom that was hidden. But here it is. I'm unveiling it to you so you'll know it now. And if they got confused at anything, jump down to verse 18. Because he goes back through it and he says, let me teach it plainly to you. Start with verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of money choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on the good soil, This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another, sixtyfold, in another, thirtyfold. That's a mystery. It's a mystery because Jesus said, The kingdom of God has come, and the preaching, the teaching of the gospel of the kingdom goes forth. And four things can happen. One, Satan can snatch it out of their heart, and it will bear ultimately no fruit. Secondly, life's normal troubles... That's what it means to follow Jesus, uh, and they fall away. Thirdly, cares, worries. How am I going to clothe my children? I have babies now. Change my whole. What did Jesus got to set aside for a while. Do I raise them? Chokes the word. And fourthly, (coughs) it can bear really good fruit when it falls on good soil. So Jesus is the core of this teaching. It's fun, and and it's it's, it's not wrong to to, to unveil four different types of a four-point sermon. But here's the main point of this parable. That is a mystery. The kingdom of God, Jesus, you're saying, is coming and it's not sweeping the whole world. Will They all see it and respond to it. That's right. In His parable, three-fourths of the kingdom preaching comes to nothing. The majority of people on earth are not entering and coming under the saving authority of the kingdom. They don't have eyes to see. They don't really understand it. And that's a mystery. Which is no longer a mystery. Because Jesus unfolded what was secret and hidden before. Then you jump down to verse 24, and he tells the parable of the wheat in the weeds. In verses 24 to 30, just summarize that real briefly. A man, again, he loves the farming analogy, they all understand this. A man sows good seed in his field. And then his enemy comes and sows weeds. And thus, Jesus is saying about the kingdom, which was mysterious, no one had expected it, this world will continue on and wheat will grow along with weeds together. He says that's a picture of the coming of the kingdom. The sons of the kingdom will exist and live side by side with the sons of the evil one. And that's the way it will be until the harvest, the end of the age. Jesus goes ahead and Says, let's go back. Let me go through my parable, the wheat and the weeds again, and he gives his interpretation, starting with verse 37. The one who sows the good seed, okay, here the seed is not the word of God. Listen very carefully to what he says with his word picture. The one who sows the good seed, that's the Son of Man. Referring to himself. This is Jesus. The field is the world okay and the good seed is persons the good seed is the children of the kingdom he plants them here on earth are you one the weeds are other persons they are the sons of the evil one And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age. And the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man. Will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all law breakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the mystery of the kingdom. They're expecting the kingdom of God to come. One fell swoop, totally and immediately destroy all evil and sin. But Jesus says, nope. Here's the mystery. The kingdom of God has arrived. Because it has arrived, it has created a mixed society of wheat and weeds. The mystery is that the kingdom of God has come, has invaded this present evil world without disrupting it. It just continues on as before. And no one saw that coming. The separation of the regenerate from the unregenerate. The weeds from the wheat still awaits the future harvest. The consummation. The end of this present age and the ushering in of the age to come. Jesus unfolds. That's the way it is. It's the mystery. Then he tells another parable in verses 31 and 32 about the mustard seed. Jesus put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make its nest in its branches. No one saw the kingdom coming like that. That the kingdom of God would come with Jesus' first coming like a tiny little mustard seed and not a military coup. It will one day, on a great white horse, not a big, massive tree, almost imperceptible, little seed. And that seed and the tree are ultimately one and the same. There's not going to be a tree without that seed. And that seed which has come in His first coming will be one day the huge, massive tree. But it's here now. It's here. It's real. Seed. One day it'll be the tree. That was a mystery. They thought the tree would just fall out of heaven, and here it is. It didn't work that way. The kingdom of God came without a cataclysmic, apocalyptic transformation of this created order. That's what he's teaching us. Now skip down to verses 47 to 50. Jesus tells the parable of the fishing net. Again, the kingdom of God is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age... The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says the kingdom of God, it's like the net. The power of the kingdom and the preaching of the kingdom has come and it has effects. And it draws men and women into its sway. Good fish and bad fish. Because the kingdom's here. Because the preaching of the kingdom has come. And only when the net, not in the water, Peter, can grasp this and James, and John, as fishermen, but only when it's finally dragged up onto the beach, which Jesus says is the close of this age. Only then will the good and the bad fish be separated. Now, I just notice very carefully. In Jesus' little story here, the separation described is not between the fish which got into the net and the other fish that did not get into the net. It's not the story He tells here. The separation here is between two kinds of people who are somehow caught up into the net of the kingdom. And one kind in the end is kept. And the other kind is cast into the fire. The kingdom of God, the the good news, the gospel of the kingdom affects many different sorts in this world. Because of the gospel of Jesus, and it's been this way for 2,000 years since His coming, it has this very visible effect that is human beings gathering together because of the preaching of the gospel. It's called the assembly, the ecclesia, the church, the kingdom creates on earth, here, visible gatherings. The church. And that church is the net. It's a mixed bag. It's got many people in it who are true disciples of Jesus. They have entered the kingdom. And it's got in that net many who would never have. In the visible church, because of the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, there are those within that net who are born again. And there are those who are not. That's what he's teaching. The visible, local church, all over the world, throughout the generations, whether congregational, and the top is right there in the local church with its elders, or whether it's Rome, and the idea of a pope, or anything in between. The local church is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, as we have seen, is a realm. Not a physical or spatial realm now. A spiritual realm that has come. It is the realm of the rule. The saving, powerful rule of King Jesus, of God Almighty, by the Holy Spirit. That kingdom does not grow. It's come. And it's here. And it's in your midst. Any sinner in this room or anywhere on this earth could enter it if they would only see it for what it is, and they would enter. That is the rule in the reign of God. Its influence may grow, but the kingdom won't grow. The church is a gathering of people, the kingdom. Creates the church, universal, but separately from that now. It creates the visible, earthly, local church. The church is commissioned to preach the kingdom of God. But the church is not the kingdom of God. All those who have been born again, the way Jesus said it, you'll never see nor where you enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again by the Holy Spirit. All those who are born again enter the kingdom and thus they enter the visible local church. But so do bad fish. They're there too. The kingdom of God is absolutely pure. Just as there's no such thing as a person actually under the new covenant who is not saved. I don't want to get into that, but it's just clear in the Old Testament and the New Testament because everyone knows him savingly if you're in the new covenant. If you're in the kingdom, they're all saved. And it is absolutely pure. The church, visible, is not pure. And nor will it be. Don't expect it. Don't try to manipulate it so that you can make it pure. It will not be until the end. Entrance into the kingdom of God means participation in the local church. But participation in the local church does not necessarily mean entrance into the kingdom of God. These are the different aspects that Jesus unfolded to us about the coming, and the presence of the kingdom during this age. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close. For the next. Eight to ten minutes then. With four applications. Of what we heard. About the kingdom. How shall we think. First. Beware. Of insisting. That God. God demonstrates power, dimensions of the kingdom that He has reserved for the future consummation of the kingdom. Let me just make that really simple. Jesus came and by His death, putting away the guilt of all who will be saved, And His physical bodily resurrection to immortality conquered death. If you say, therefore, you don't have to die in this room. It's heresy. You're not getting it. That's not for this age. That's for the age to come. He's the first fruits of the resurrection, then those after Him. Okay, that's pretty simple. Well, we live in a day and an age within, and starting from the American church and going all over the world in South America and Africa, what we call the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, which teaches that since Christ has already purchased our total salvation, which is true, He has, Therefore, all that's left for us to do down here during our mortality is to claim everything He's purchased, like total healing. God wants you healed, every one of you. We know it absolutely, and if you're not healed, it's because of a lack of your faith, not God's problem. I'll restrain. So it'll be just very nice and say it very kindly. The problem is, they just don't understand the scripture. They do not understand the tension of the kingdom. The already present, yet not yet, aspects to it. It's true. We get foretaste of the future down. We get portions. Believe it or not, we even have the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a taste of what is to come. But they're all tastes down here. So do not ever insist that dimensions of the kingdom that are for the consummation must be attained down here. Secondly, also be aware, therefore, of assuming that all who are in one way or another are swept into the culture of the church, become members of the church, or clergy in the church, that they are, by definition, therefore, in the kingdom and okay in the end. The existence of the church, the preaching of the gospel Of the kingdom. Means there will be. And are to be on earth. Physical local. Gatherings. That come about. Because of the gospel. Of the kingdom. But within that net. There are those who. When it's dragged up on the beach. In the end. Will be cast. Into the fire. Why? Because they love. Healing, power, money. The idea of being assured of a good afterlife. They loved it all without loving holiness. That's why. Which is evidence they have not seen nor understood. You're entered the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus will say, On that day, many will say to me, Lord Jesus, Lord, did we not prophesy in the name of Jesus and cast out demons in Your name? and do many mighty works in Your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from Me, you workers of lawlessness. They delighted in God meeting their worldly needs and did not delight in God. And that's why the clarity of the gospel in preaching in the local church is crucial. No wonder the rival kingdom which is unseen, kingdom of darkness, no wonder that kingdom of darkness has persuaded many to grow the church by seeking to tell the non-churched that Jesus is all about meeting your felt needs the gospel gets morphed into what do you want you want to be successful Jesus has a success plan of life and in business and in money making. And Jesus is all over. What do you want? We know. I mean, marriage is not easy. It can be great, but it's not always easy. Have church marriage seminars. Draw your neighbors. And we'll tell them. You want to make it. You want to succeed in your marriage. Yes, our marriage is on the rocks. We got the answer. Jesus wants to save your marriage. He's the answer for you. And we'll give them lots of good wisdom, which is in the Bible, how to have a successful marriage. In the process, they'll be more than happy to ask Jesus into their heart to become a church member. Little Tweaks in the fisher's net, gathers more and more fish. Beware. Beware that all who are swept into the fisher's net because of the name of Jesus are true Christians. Thirdly, on the other end, from where I began about the future, don't assume it, hey, it's all attainable now. Don't go to the other extreme thinking there's no power in the kingdom. Don't go to the other extreme thinking that signs and workings of the Holy Spirit that are impossible naturally and therefore are in that sense supernatural that are even laid out in the New Testament that they must have all ceased with the death of the last apostle. We live in an age of overlap. The kingdom has come. And much of the future hasn't. But there's an overlap of the power and the presence of the kingdom. And we are still, as Christians, really broken. In times, we look... And we can already see a thing about truth. About how I ought to repent. About how I ought to change over here. We can barely see we're so confused. It's a glass darkly. It's a very blurry mirror. Oh, we need the power of the kingdom. Meaning the power of God, the Holy Spirit, to work in us through us, to others, as Paul would lay out with basic, normal, non-clergy Christians in Corinth. I mean, unless we've arrived in the consummation where Paul lets us know, well, once we get there, we'll see face to face. You're right. They will all cease. But until we're there, be careful. Of not being open to the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a grace of His. People need you to be open. So you can serve them that way. And vice versa. And finally, the kingdom of God has arrived. The rule and the reign of God has arrived. Our great King. God. The second person, who has become and forever will be truly human. Our champion, our king, our high priest has seated himself at the right hand of God. And he will continue to reign now until all his enemies are put under his feet the last enemy is death, the resurrection will come. Until then, every Jesus lover is called to never stop seeking the kingdom and His righteousness. In the context of all these basic needs, having a place to live and having food in my belly and my children's belly. And where do I work And all of life and problems within the church and problems in relate All of those things we will constantly have, but seek first His rule and reign over your life. His righteousness working now through you because you are made righteous in Christ. Seek the power of of his rule working in us to the glory of God the Father and that's why we now are, we're going to be singing preparing our hearts but remember one thing Jesus said the Last Supper I'm not going to drink this cup again with you until I drink it with you in the, consumm- I added that word, the consummated kingdom which will come. And therefore, we partake of the body and the blood of Christ, our salvation, our entrance into His kingdom and His rule over us we partake again and again during this present evil age, anticipating the drinking of that cup in the kingdom future that is to come. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Son. As Paul tells us, You did not